your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 474 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. That song you're hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And today, very special treat for you guys. We got part two of our conversation with my good friend Bobby Sampson. Bobby and me have been friends since college. Uh, Obviously, both really big hockey fans. He cheers for the Flyers. We won't hold that against him too much. But, you know, Bobby and I talk a little bit about the Flyers, uh, quite a bit about the Rangers, and just some general NHL storylines early in the season. And one note that I wanted to mention uh, real quick before we play uh, part two of our conversation. And if you missed part one, you can go back and listen to episode number 470. But when Bobby and I recorded this interview here, it was before Veterans Day. And obviously now Veterans Day has come and gone, but I think the sentiments that Bobby and I share about uh, the brave women and men that do everything that they do for our country and our way of life, I think uh, that still obviously very much applies. Of course, in this interview, we talk about Veterans Day as if it's coming up rather than having just passed. But whether Veterans Day is last week, last month, tomorrow, six months from now, whatever it might be, our sentiments, like I said, very much the same uh, as it pertains to Veterans Day. And we also kind of pick things up mid-conversation here, talking about Jack Eichel and everything that went down there and him ultimately being traded to the Vegas Golden Knights. So without any further ado, part two of our conversation with Bobby Sampson. Enjoy. Because I'm talking to him through this Eichel deal which is really the saddest thing ever for Eichel and for the fans and everybody. Cause even when Eichel comes back, I'm not sure how good it's, he might come back and be fine. But the fact you have to replace a disc in your neck for this game is pretty sad. And like nobody ever wants to see anybody have to go through that. And it disrupts right. his career. It's a place where you can't really work out too much. Like Eichel shout out to you, man. I hope you get better and better fast. Cause that's a tough deal. And however he goes about it, that's his choice. So I hope he makes the right call here, and I hope it isn't some doctors just leading him down a stupid path. But you never know, and these decisions with healthcare are so scary, especially it's, with your neck. It's it's such a weird situation because, you know, we all knew that eventually he was going to get traded. I mean, it took way longer than anybody probably thought that it would. But, you know, Buffalo and him are going back and forth on what kind of surgery he would like, and I'm not going to pretend to be a doctor on here or anything like that. But, you know, the way I always looked at that, and the question that always came up with me inevitably was, why does Buffalo, if this guy has played his last game as a saber, then why do they even care what surgery he gets? Like, just let him do whatever he wants to do. Am I missing something there? Yeah, and that's, I mean, we could take a conspiracy angle on that, that they're looking out for him even, or not. I don't know, but, like, yeah, the fact that you have such strong opinions to where you're not going to trade him unless he does a surgery that you want. Like, baseball, you get hurt with the Tommy John stuff, right? You do the surgery and you're actually faster with your throws. Well, a lot of times, yeah, a lot of times pitcher will get the Tommy John and then they come back and they're throwing gas. They're throwing even harder than they did before. It's pretty wild. Right. So, like, if it's motivated by we want more performance out of you, so we want you to do this surgery so that you're better, that's really wrong. But if it's more like, hey, our doctors are saying, like, you shouldn't do that, man. And he might be doing it because he's like, nah, I want to get back. I want to play. And these athletes are so competitive that they might not do the best thing for their body because they're trying to get famous and like have the fame be the elite like, you know 
chasing the dream. And now he's taking a big step back, so he's going to have even more pressure to come back quick and be elite Jack Eichel. So I hope he doesn't take that pressure, and I hope he's making a decision based on what's best for his body and not best for his career. This is a game. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and you hope that, you know, when he's 40, he's still okay. You know, that, that these don't have, like, lingering effects or anything like that. And, again, I don't know exactly what goes into these surgeries or any of that, but um, – yeah, I mean, to your point, Bobby, that this is just a game, and you know, he's got to he's got to be able to walk later in his life. But um, I wanted to ask you about him going to Vegas just in general, because obviously the Knights—they're a team that have kind of been knocking on the door really ever since they came into existence, and off to a little bit of a slow start this season. But I kind of had a feeling he was going to end up going to Vegas just because they seem like a team that's ready, willing, and able to like push all their chips in, not to make a Vegas pun. I didn't even do that on purpose, but it's a team that's, <laughs> it's a team that's ready to, to go all in and, and say, you know, Stanley Cup or bust, and there's going to be a lot of pressure on him whenever he does come back and plays for that team. But, I mean, did you think he was going to Vegas, or did you think there was another team he was going to go to? Any thoughts on, uh, you know, him ultimately ending up as a Golden Knight? Yeah, I felt extreme relief when I heard he was going there because one thing Vegas has is too many people. Like, they went through that expansion draft, and they got so many picks and so much good talent. They, they, you can only play nine people, really, your top three line, with skills. So, like, you got to get rid of players while they're young and worth something and condense a little bit and maybe get more, like, better players. So, Vegas being so deep makes it so there's less pressure on Eichel to come back, makes it so that he can take his time and really get healthy so he doesn't risk himself coming back. That's, That's a great point, here. yeah. Yeah. And again, this is about the parents and the kids who watch this sport. If they see a player that's being manipulated like this, the parents aren't going to even put their kids in hockey. It really gives a bad, sour taste in their mouth about the sport in general. And it declines the sport over time. It's not something you see the next day. It's how you see it generationally. As people are less hyped about a sport because, like football, it's getting their kids hurt. So right. I hope they do it in a sense of what's best for Eichel and his body because that is what it should be about. This isn't the military. This is a game. And Alex Tuck, by the way, who came to Buffalo, yep. is from Syracuse, I think. And he, all he wants to do is be in New York. He's dreamed of being a Buffalo Sabre. So that trade could not have been more perfect either. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, um, I think it's a challenge to be embraced. You know, if you end up on the Buffalo Sabres somehow, obviously it's not really a place that a lot of people are dying to go right now. But, I mean, that team has been so bad for so long. Sooner or later, they're going to have to get better. And, I mean, how cool would it be, especially for, for Tuck, you know, being from that area, to be part of the group that fixes things there and at least gets them competitive again and gets them back into the playoff mix. And they've been a little bit better this season. I mean, they've, I think they've lost a couple recently, but at least they're getting to the point where they're somewhat competitive. I mean, it's a, it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, and you can go about it two ways. You can have the flashy bread man to start your rebuild, like Eichel was, or you can build a real strong team like the Flyers have and then add a Cam Atkinson later. We're at the end of our rebuild cycle here. We got everybody popping. Carter Hart's now in solid behind the pipes. I mean, he's getting better every day. Flyers are dangerous for the next three or four years. But that's why we added Cam Atkinson, who's 32 years old. I mean, we've got a four-year window on him being elite. Just wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. We are back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% 
welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. And just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And you know what? Let me ask you about Carter Hart, because I want to do that eventually anyway. And this is something we've talked about when you've been on this podcast before and, you know, even just BSing around with texts and whatnot. But, um, you know, Hart gets off to a strong start as a rookie, takes a little bit of a step back last year. I think he's off to a, a pretty nice start this season. Uh, yeah, I should know he's on my fantasy team. So, um, yeah, I mean, where, where do things stand with him? I mean, is this the guy? Is this the long-awaited franchise goalie, a guy that can be a top 10 goalie in the league year in and year out for the Flyers? Do you see him in that light? Well, he's got to get some Dominic Hasek in him if he's going to be there. And what I'm seeing is he's the Patrick Waugh style, plays the numbers, the Lundquist style, which is Lundquist quality. So don't get me wrong. He is elite. But you can beat him high. And I always like the Hashiks who are so flashy with the glove and everything, but they tend to lose because they aren't statistically perfect. And you're going to win more games with Carter Hart, but then you're going to see him just dunk one. You're going to be like, God, he's just not that athletic. But he actually is better because he's playing the position better. You just don't see it. It doesn't feel like it because he's given up the ones you feel like he should have had. But all the ones that were like deflections and things like that that no goalie could ever stop, he's in the right position so it's not going in. And you just take it for granted. But he's there every time. I mean, the ones that are wild, he always seems to have it on the end of his pad or somewhere. He's a big kid. So he's fantastic like that. But if he doesn't get used to when they're coming down, the good snipers, when they're going to fake him low and go high or when they're going to fake high and go low, he's got to win those battles because they can get him high. He's, it's tough for a bigger dude with a heavier equipment because you're bigger to lift your glove so fast. And same thing on the blocker side. Like everything's just heavier when you're bigger and he's not like – a power lifter. He's more of a lengthy right. person. That, that time to lift is a physics thing, getting up that high. And the tag so game, it, all down low, you can't beat Carter Hart. You ain't going to get stuff one through him. But up top, that's where he's a little weaker, but even then, he's really good. So it's like, you got a 90% elite goalie there. So it sounds like, uh, if I'm understanding this correctly, he's more of a tactical goalie than he is like this crazy athlete that's going to dive all over the crease and make all these crazy glove saves. Is that kind of Right, what, what the Waugh, deal is with him? Yeah, yeah, Patrick Waugh, Martin Brodeur, those guys, not the Dominic Hashiks. Right, the Czech Monics that never even stay in the <laughs> net. <laughs> <laughs> dude, no dude I swear he was on an adventure every game outside, like by the circle. He was just out there playing around the puck or something. I'm just like, what are you doing? Get he thinks net. it's a game of NHL hits, man, where the goalie can make the save and then skate up the ice with the puck. <laughs> exactly. That's basically what it is. Yeah, no, it, it'll never fail to blow my mind when, when some of these goalies make some of these saves on the deflections. I just don't know how you're supposed to deal with that. I mean, it's so it's such a chaotic position to begin with, and you've got all these bodies in front of you, and you know, you've got this rocket of a slap shot, and then somebody tips it and it changes direction and they somehow stay with it or they somehow anticipate it and keep the puck out. It it'll never fail to blow my mind, whether it's, you know, Hart, Igor, any goalie in this league. It really is wild to say. Yeah, and the game's so much faster now that most of the goals are going in that way, where it's deflected or something. Like, the tip drills and everything they're doing now are insane. They're trying to get deflections on most of the shots to do that because you can't just shoot past the goalie. They're too good now. They stop it. 
and you yep. don't have the time. Like Crosby doesn't have time to go and dipsy do around to go get a nice shot. And even on a breakaway, somebody's breathing down your neck. Everybody on defense is so fast nowadays. It's not pronger chasing you. <laughs> you can get away from. I, you know, it's funny you mentioned the breakaway. I would have to look this up. I feel like success rate on the breakaway in general is down so much because these goalies. I don't know if it's it's good coaching or it's just. Uh, talent, you know, maybe we're seeing a, a lot of really elite goalies all playing at the same time. It feels like there's so many breakaways where the goalie just stays with the dude the entire time, does not flinch, and then just makes a kind of easy save considering that he's one-on-one -on -one with the guy with the puck. You know what I mean? I feel your resentment in this because it is killing the entertainment value and none of them ever go in. But you're right. I think also the overtimes where they're all being so, like settled by shootouts that mean a lot at the end of that the too. season when you're not... Yeah. In a close race, like we're finding goalies that are really good one on one. That's just the shift in the game. Yep. No, I'm with you. So, yeah, I'm with you. But yeah, I wish there was a way we could level. Every time the game changes for the worse, you got to do something like make the puck smaller, like things that you can do with the game to make that entertainment value still stay there. So I think the NHL is due in the next four to five years as it evolves to make some changes to see more goals. Make the equipment small. They already do this, where they make the goals yeah, smaller. I don't know. Get smaller. Make these goalies suffer. Like, I love it. Like, make them suffer? <laughs> make them yeah. suffer. It's um, a real honorable thing. Because you'll see, the better goalies will emerge when you make the equipment smaller. If you're really athletic and have great hand-eye coordination and can see these pucks coming in, you know how to move around and see through the windows, kind of like quarterbacks throwing between linemen, that's yep. a bigger skill than – anything just throwing the ball is trying to do a sidearm between linemen that can bat it out of the air that's kind of what's going on here so you'll see the guys who are better emerge and it'll be much clearer who's better you don't know if carter hart's really good or not or if he was just taught really well to play the position is he really an athletic talent or is he just a chess player on how he plays the goalie position or is it both See, but wouldn't that be kind of unfair to him? Because if that's how, you know, he excels and he's more of a tactician than he is, you know, a crazy athlete, then, I mean, I guess you're right. You know, if you made the pads smaller, the, the athletes would stand out more and, you know, they would be rewarded for, you know, playing the position the way that they do. But, you know, if you make it to the NHL and you do so as a goalie that is known more as being kind of a tactician, then I don't know. I, would you really want to make the pads smaller and take that away from them? You know what I mean? Yes, because watching Hashik squirming around in net, like flailing his pads over and making these ridiculous saves with like a tiny little pad, it was the best thing to watch ever. Yeah, he was. And even if they score six goals or seven goals, is that bad? Like shutouts shouldn't happen. It's like in baseball. You ever see a 0-0 game? I mean, once in a while, you know, you'll get to extra innings that's still scoreless, but I hear what you're saying, you know. If, if it's scoreless, Going into extra innings, like, holy cow, like, I'm leaving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, but that could be a heck That's of a football. game. That could be a pitcher's duel right there. And it's the same thing with hockey. You know, we see overtime games in the playoffs. You know, you go into double overtime, it's still scoreless. And, you know, both goalies are putting on a show. I don't think I would want that to go away. Yeah, you're right. But I'm also hating on baseball because you're right. The closers and everything get so hyped. <laughs> when that runner's on third and like going to score an extra innings and you've been just battling all game, nobody could even get one through. Yeah, you're right. But yeah, in the, for the sake of entertainment, it's like football. I mean, it's a faster game, but they're slowing it down with all these TV ads and call for this penalty for that. Like the whole game is being messed up, which is also on the players. Like stop being dirty and play the game. 
like stop fouling on everybody and holding people. <laughs> yeah, get yeah. Beat, you get beat, dude. Stop trying to cheat. Uh, yeah, I, I got gotcha. argument to be made for both sides. Give me you're doing less fighting. Give me more goals and make these goalies work harder. And it's going to make the players work harder to not even let them gain the zone. It's going to make the game kind of end up in the center of the rink rather than being all this zone control, which is a lot of it right now, and a lot of shutouts. Have you noticed there's a lot of shutouts in the league? Uh, yeah, no, there's, started, there's more than you would think, yeah. Hockey first started, you had a branch out of a tree to play with, and you could barely score anything. And then it got to the Gretzky years where it was just, like, so damn easy to score. And then it got dry oh, yeah. again with, like, the trap, the neutral zone trap, and now it's becoming, like, even more so with the equipment and everything. I feel like it's really locked down on defense. But, uh, yeah, I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, some of the things that the Flyers did in the offseason because I feel like the Rangers and Flyers had kind of similar offseasons where the focus was more on in-house stuff and kind of re-signing their own guys. I know you're a big Sean Couturier fan, and he gets eight years and $62 million dollars. Um, what are your thoughts on that contract? I mean, is this a situation where they just had to lock up their own guy there? Love it. And he's yeah. worth every penny. Yep. He is not a flashy player and does not get the attention he deserves at all. But he is one of the greats in this league that nobody talks about. No, I would and absolutely I encourage agree. you to watch him. Yeah, watch him more closely, too. I mean, every even the, like, TikTok plays for goals that are really pretty passing. He's in those plays. But he's also the penalty killing grinder in our zone. And he's been going since he was 19, like Eichel. So he's going to have a lot more years than these 24 year olds coming out of college. There's five more years of experience there in the NHL. Like he is going to, he is phenom. And he scored 30 goals in a season before. He's just all around probably our best player on the Flyers, to be honest. Yeah, and I just looked up his age. He's only 28, so it's it's almost identical to the situation with Mika where they uh, you know, get these extensions, and they will be getting a little bit older when the contract runs out, but I think it's money well spent. you got to spend the money somewhere, and you know, if Couturier and Mika are slowing down in the last year or two of their contract, then you hope that by then the Flyers and Rangers, respectively, will have some young players that can kind of keep them relevant and kind of elevate them toward the end of uh, their deals there. Um, how about Joel Farabee? I mean, six years and 30 million, pro, nay, what do you say there? Oh, he's nasty. Yeah. Yeah, and he's like, he skates his ass off. I mean, people who try hard, it's obvious. And Voracek did that a lot. Drew, like, just there's no stopping these guys. They don't care who's getting the puck. They're coming in like a chainsaw with their hockey stick to get it. And he's very much like that. And uh, I just love his tenacity. And he's also young, so we're going to see him get better. He's already put up great numbers, good shooting percentage and everything. Like, I, I trust him with the puck to put it in. Like, connect me. Like, there's a lot there. And I'm very happy at how he turned out because there was like Morgan Frost and a couple other rookies last year who we were thinking about bringing up or trying to, and he just emerged on fire and he lifts the team. They seem to like him there, which by the way, Drew does like the pigeon call to uh, Van Riemsdyk. He's like, because he, he's a pigeon. He's a big pigeon standing out there. He's not very physical. <laughs> he makes fun yeah. of him. This whole team is like Mac Miller in the locker room. Like, they're a goofy team. I think Drew kind of leads that and keeps it fun there. So Yandel coming in and saying thank you every time he grabs the puck, they probably love it. Oh, I guarantee room. you they do, yeah. He yeah. seems like he fits right in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, yeah, um, can we talk about Adam Fox at some point? Yeah, let's do it right now. I, I've actually got that written down, and of course he just signed that big extension. What do you want to know about, uh, what do you want to know about Fox? How happy are you 
Oh, I mean, I'm ecstatic. This guy just won the Norris Trophy. He, along with Bobby Orr, is the only defenseman in NHL history to win the Norris in just his second season in the league. And uh, very well-deserved. And again, you know, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where a lot of us as fans, analysts, whatever, you know, we all kind of get caught up on offensive production. And that's probably even more true when we see a defenseman averaging almost a point per game. As great as he is offensively, I think he's even better defensively. I mean, the way that he defends a two-on-one break, I think he does it as well or better than any defenseman in the league. It's crazy. He'll be the lone defenseman back. The team will be coming in on a two-on-one. And of course, the big thing you want to do there is try to, you know, take away the pass and at least leave the goalie one-on-one with the shooter. Fox will just like, I don't know how he does it, but he'll somehow with stick positioning and body positioning, whatever it is, he'll just reach out and like steal the puck from the guy and skate away with it on a two-on-one. Oh <laughs> yeah, no, it's, 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 it's just wild to watch. Um, and you know, not necessarily the most physical defenseman in the league. He does. He's not going to lead the league in hits or anything like that, but you never see the guy get caught out of position and he's just the total package right now. And to me, if you can sign that guy for less than $10 million per season, which is what they did, then do it. I mean, there's nothing to think about. And the crazy thing is, yes, yeah, seven year deal for 66 and a half million. He's only going to be 31 when the deal ends. He's still going to be a premier defenseman in this league. You would have to figure. Exactly. We just signed Cam at 32. So, yeah, I mean, we might be in a position where, you know, when this contract ends, like I said, he's only going to be 31. So we might be, as Ranger fans, clamoring for them to lock him up again long term. I mean, he could get another like six, seven, eight year deal at the end of the one that he's got right now and be a very, very rich man. And hopefully at that point, he's still, uh, you know, one of the top defensemen in the league. Yeah, you know, that's great for you, too, because he's going to have the contract year when he's younger and trying to get big numbers to get the big payout. So he's going to be skating his butt off that last year of the contract at a young age with a lot of contracts he still has in the future. So from a motivational standpoint, that's a great play. <laughs> no, absolutely. And, you know, it, it's funny because watching him this whole last season, and it was kind of a three-man race for the Norris. You had him, you had Hedman, and you had McCarr. And, you know, I've talked about this on my show in the past. Of course, I'm rooting for Adam Fox, and I want him to win. But then he actually wins the Norris, and it's kind of like, oh, crap. Now he has the right to ask to be you know, the highest paid defenseman in the league, if that's what he wants to do. You know, it gives him a lot more leverage after something like that happens. Yeah, you might lose him. It's possible, but I I think think they'll see it coming. Um, And and, and listen, it's almost impossible to predict anything that's going to happen seven years from now, sports or otherwise. (laughs) But, but, you know, when it does roll around and his contract is up again, if he's still in elite defense, and I get the feeling the Rangers are going to be planning ahead for that, and they'll make that a priority. And hopefully by then, you know, the salary cap's a little bit higher as well, and that can always work in their benefit too. Yeah, hopefully he evolves into your headman, and he just stays forever, and they pay him because he deserves it. Like, if he goes the next seven years and just puts up crazy points and wins the Stanley Cup or something... It's worth it. Like, pay the guy. You deserve, he deserves it. Even if he's not going to produce for you at there at that point, you just want to keep him around. You want him well-paid. You want the fans to be happy with how you're paying him. I feel like with, with the Rangers, given the fact that they've only won the Cup once since 1940, if they win one Stanley Cup, then that means that every single contract on the roster was 100% worth it. I don't even care who's overpaid and who's this and who's that. <laughs> hey, man, it's, it, it's our second Cup in, what, like 81 years or however long it's going to take, so... Yeah, I mean, at that point, all those guys become instant legends, even if they're overpaid. Yeah, I think Rangers are going to add soon. They might add a couple more. I don't know who they're going to give up or what they're going to do, but I feel like Breadman needs a little help, and then he'll be able to get away from these top defenses a little more, or at least have them tired, because they're going up against another 
great offensive line that's wearing him down throughout the game. He needs that. It's a little too isolated at the top there with your talent. Yeah, it's a little bit of a top-heavy roster. I can see that. I think the biggest thing with the Rangers right now is they're counting on eventually, you know, some big leaps forward from guys like Kako and Lafreniere and Heedle. And, I mean, I don't know if you followed the whole saga with Vitaly Krasov. If he ever comes back to the Rangers, which I don't think is going to happen at this point. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the big thing with the Rangers is that, um, you know, some of the moves that they've made to make this team tougher and more physical and let some good scoring players like Pavel Buchnevich and Colin Blackwell get away, they're counting on big leaps forward from those guys. So if Lafreniere and Kako and Hedl, if these guys develop into the players that they think that they're going to be, then I think they'll be sitting pretty at that point. Yeah, I agree with that. Kako's got to take a step up. He really does. He needs to be a big pick for you guys to make it work. But again, you're still top heavy. Like I look at the Flyers roster and like even the fourth line is scoring. But that fourth line for the Flyers right now is the best I've ever seen it. (laughs) Yeah, the Rangers fourth line is good. I mean, not to the point that you think they're going to be scoring, but Kevin Rooney, you know, very valuable player. Killing penalties, good defensive forward. Ryan Reeves can drop the gloves if he has to. He hasn't yet, but you got to figure at some point it's coming. And um, Dryden Hunt, you know, not a household name by any stretch, but a hardworking player. But if you're looking for offense from that line, I mean, Rudy can chip in once in a while, but you're not going to see that line scoring a bunch of goals, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I guess, who is your third line? I mean, it fluctuates, but right now, um, Philip Hedl would be on the third line if he was healthy. You would have Barclay Goodrow probably on the right wing, the way things stand right now, and then Alexi Lafreniere probably on the left wing because they've been going with Lafreniere on the third line and Kreider on the top line and you know they, they've juggled things a little bit but I think if everybody was healthy that's probably what you would see right now if, if Hedl was healthy specifically so in comparison to the Flyers our third line is going to have like James Van Riemsdyk like top caliber scorers and when Voracek was around even more so you had like <laughs> so many people on the Flyers we can't even get them James Van Riemsdyk was on the fourth line so we just didn't have room for him he's on the number one power play unit but playing fourth line no, it's like, crazy. Oh. I remember you telling me about that, yeah. Dude, we are so deep as a team. We got three or four rookies. They're, like, ready to come out of the minors, and they, like, can't even get playing time. There's so many people. It's insane how much depth we have at scoring. I think this is the best farm I've ever seen out of the Flyers. Hextall, thank you. I'm just not seeing that scoring and that kind of, like, you just don't have weapon after weapon after weapon to where if Breadman goes down in the playoffs, you're kind of out of luck. You could take Van Reems like Andrew out of our lineup, and I still think we go deep in the playoffs. Yeah, I think if you look at the two third lines, it, it's you know the Flyers maybe have the edge right now. I think you know with the Rangers, there's a little bit more upside long term. Yeah, you need to get a couple more, and like if Lafiniere gets better, like you need those guys to come through for you. And the farm system, I don't know what you have down below, but in the next episode, I'll do some research for the next time. But I'd like to look at your farm system and see what we got coming up, because if you do have a couple hot rookies there to put in there with Breadman, and they are like a Farabee coming out hot, you have the potential to take a Stanley Cup with the team you have because Breadman is one of the best, like, top three. Would you say Kucherov? Who else is better than Breadman? I mean, he's got to be, like, top three, top five in the league, I would say. You know, I mean, McDavid, you could throw McKinnon in there. Um, If you think that uh, Ovechkin and Crosby are still at that elite level, I wouldn't argue too much there. They're up there, though. They're both still top ten players for sure. Um, but yeah, Breadman no, I mean, he's, uh, no, I don't think so either. I'd put Breadman ahead of both of them at this point, but, uh, probably top five, but Hey man, did you want to throw out like a prediction for the Stanley cup? I mean, are you just going to say flyers or are you going to, you going to throw me a curveball here? You know, I like the hurricanes. I started with them. I'll keep going with them. Oh yeah. 
Also, uh, the New York Islanders actually honored my cousin from the Coast Guard the other day, or not the other day, but last season, gave him a jersey, had his wife out there during COVID. They were, like, basically all alone in the section, and they went through his titles, like, first boat's mate. And I have to say, it was one of the most powerful things that has ever happened to him. And I want to thank the Islanders and the NHL for being able to do these things for our veterans, especially with Veterans Day coming up. But that means so much to them. And it's beyond what I could say thank you for your service when you're being honored in a stadium on TV. So thanks. It meant a lot to him. And he says thank you as well. No, I'm sure it did. I mean, that, that sounds like a really cool thing. And, you know, like you said, man, it's the most selfless thing you can do. These people are far more brave, far more selfless than I will ever be. And, you know, the Rangers actually just had their military appreciation night uh, against their the Panthers in this last game here. And, you know, throughout the game periodically, you know, they had a, a retired Marine uh, go out there and drop the ceremonial opening face-off. And, you know, they're honoring people throughout the entire night there. And the one I thing that it. the one thing that I love, I don't think they did it on this night, but something that you've definitely seen, I mean, being a sports fan, and even if you're not a sports fan, I'm sure people have seen clips of this. But, you know, they'll have somebody, like in baseball sometimes, they'll have a, a kid throw out the first pitch and they'll have the catcher wearing the mask, and then the catcher will pull off the mask, and it's their dad who's back from, yeah. you know, a tour. That's the coolest thing ever, man. I could watch that every day from now until the rest of my life, and I will enjoy it every single time. I, it, it's, it's one of those things you could never possibly get tired of seeing that. Yeah, it's like puppy and kitty videos online. Exactly, right? Who, who dislikes those, right? Yeah, and also for our kids and having pride in the nation. I mean, the national anthem and things isn't from our classroom that I love the song so much. It's from watching some of the greats in the middle of Flyers Stadium getting everybody hyped up, like Lauren Hart, before a Flyers game. That's what, in like, I associate the national anthem with one of the great periods of my time, which is watching playoff hockey. So I, it just means so much having that military edge in the NHL, and I love that they give back to that community. And happy Veterans Day. Thanks to all the veterans out there for your service because you're better than John and I. <laughs> <laughs> I could not have possibly said it any better if I tried, Bobby. So, I mean, listen, man, this, this was a ton of fun, and I'm glad you brought that up at the end there because it is very important to show appreciation, especially around this time of the year with Veterans Day approaching. But, um, yeah, listen, uh, Bobby, this was a ton of fun, as it always is, and I'm sure we'll have to have you back on here when the Rangers and Flyers are playing each other a little bit later this season. Yeah, man, looking forward to it got a great team there in new york man I'm, I'm really having fun watching them so and thanks again for bringing me on the podcast man all right so once again a big big thanks to mr bobby Sampson for joining the podcast here talking a little bit of hockey and a big thanks to you guys as well for tuning in to the locked on new york rangers podcast your team every day if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast please send an email to locked on ny rangers at gmail.com once again that is locked on ny rangers at gmail.com definitely give us a follow on twitter as well at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling.